Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. message, but in our second service, Brother McGuire, I believe, who was not scheduled to be here according to our schedule, but I believe heaven had different plans, and he just opened his heart, the word of the Lord, and amen, if we don't see clearly on one thing, my, 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 what did other things look like? Lord, help us today to take that to heart. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse number six, this is a very familiar passage to many, many people. Uh, Paul said, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul is speaking, of course, to Timothy, the, the, the title of the book here. He says, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me or to come quickly unto me. Later, uh, in another passage, rather in this chapter, he says, come before winter. Come before winter because he understood that if you don't get here before winter, the boats are going to be frozen in. You won't be able to be here. Or there will be no travel, and so I need you to come now. And then in verse 10, for Demas has, hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Grecians to Galatia, and Titus unto Dalmatia. And uh, we are familiar with verse, perhaps most of these verses, but verse 10, for Demas has, hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Before church on Sunday morning, I was talking to uh, some people before the service and and uh, I started talking about Demas just a little bit and uh, just got something stirring in my heart and then I just had some things confirmed that today and I'm thankful for the Lord to help us and I believe that he'll speak something to us if we'll just let him. Amen? Amen. The Lord, I love you today and I thank you for the privilege to be here. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for meeting with us here. I trust that our praise and worship has already been a very, very sweet aroma of thanks and thanksgiving. But I want to say it with my lips. Thank you for being here tonight among us. And I pray that your holy word that is anointed will flow from my heart into hearts that are willing and ready to receive that word. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. And you can be seated. I want to speak to you today from tonight from the uh, subject, the path of Demas, the path of Demas. We live in an ever-changing world. Um, it is amazing to me when you visit perhaps another part of the state, maybe even a place that you're very familiar with, but you haven't been there in a little while. It's amazing to me how much change can take place. Um, my my mother's parents obviously were from here, and uh, my dad's parents were from Winter Haven, Central Florida. And so as a, as a child growing up and as a young man, uh, we made many, many treks between here and Central Florida. A part of that journey was uh, after the turnpike came in would be to get off the turnpike and get on Highway 27 and go through Mineola and Clearmont and, and uh, all those little towns. And there were just thousands and thousands of acres and I would say miles and miles of citrus growth. And uh, so much so that in the city of Clearmont, they built a tower and it was a somewhat uh, an attraction. And you would get up in that tower and there would be binoculars on top of that tower. And, and the, the sole purpose of that was just to look out and see the vast acres and miles of citrus growth. Well, if you've been that way in recent years, you realize that uh, if you want an orange, you're going to have to buy it. And um, because all of that, for the most part, has all been replaced with um, housing and things of that nature, it's just, it's just amazing. And we find ourselves, my wife and I find ourselves uh, telling Justin and Sarah when we're going down through there, you just can't imagine. You can't imagine the change that has taken place where there would just be miles and miles of, of nothingness. Um, some of you probably remember before the interstate system was even completed in Florida, and we certainly remember uh, when those interstates only went to a certain point and stopped. And so change is everywhere. You ride by something today, and it's this, and, and um, next year it may be something completely different. And uh, so we're, we live in an ever-changing world. About the time you get adjusted to some things, guess what? Uh, there's going to be a change. For all of us who are, um, and then this is a vast majority of us who are a part of the technological world, uh, from time to time you are forced to change on certain things, depending on the security level of certain things, banking and, and things of that nature, you're forced to change your password. Oh, just about the time I stopped having to look it up. It's an ever-changing world, an ever-changing world. And, and, and we can truly say that in many respects, nothing stays the same. But change doesn't have to be a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I'm a proponent of change. Um, I, maybe maybe uh, my mother and my wife had a lot to do with that. My mother was one of those individuals that moved the furniture around the house a lot. And then when my wife and I first got married, that same spirit was on her. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I was very accustomed to things being rearranged, but I, I liked it. It was, it just, you know, just move a chair, move something around. It kind of makes it look like you got new furniture. Or I'm not sure that was the, the point of that, but it was just change. And so change is not something I'm opposed to at all, but because I believe it truly is inevitable. Uh, if it's good or if it's bad, no matter what it is, it's, it won't stay the same. And so our worst day is going to come to an end. <laughs> It really is because change is in the air. 
our best day is going to come to an end because change is in the air. And no matter how hard it rains, a few weeks ago it was raining and raining and raining and we almost lost uh, sight of what it was like to see the sunshine. But no matter how much rain it comes, it's going to not rain forever. It's going to come to an end. And so uh, no matter what today's headlines are, I have lived long enough along with many of you to realize that no matter what today has the attention of a community or a state or a nation or a world, that it won't be long until something else will, um, will make its way to reach for that top spot. And uh, we think about recent tragedies in our, in our state and some of those have affected people that we know. The hurricane that uh, passed through the Panhandle area in Panama City and things of that nature. Um, the changes that are there I, I know I shared this privately. I can't remember if I shared it publicly this weekend, but uh, those, those changes, I was at a funeral this past Thursday night, and uh, one of the men from that area was showing me videos and pictures from just a few days before, from just last week, and it looks as though that storm had just passed through. And so we're not talking about people that are just trying to put pieces of their lives together, but there are people that have lost hope. He told me that there are many neighborhoods who have cars in the driveway that the trees are still laying across and they have just moved. They've just left because there is no other choice. And so uh, it just we realize that no matter what is going on, and so for a few weeks that, that just held Florida especially, but it held our nation. It just held us at rapt attention, all of these people who were who were uprooted and homeless and all of these things that were going on. A few weeks ago, my wife read an article, just a little snippet of an article to me, uh, from that some of the people in some of these most affected neighborhoods who have been able to move back in their homes, and they have many neighbors who are just living in tents, and now the people that are back in their homes are complaining about the people that are living in tents. Imagine I mean, she began to read that and you just want to go say what? Do what? I mean, just a, few, just a few weeks ago, you were all holding on together for dear life in the most literal sense. And how quickly things can change. And I mentioned this earlier and we had prayer for them. But most recently on January the 3rd, we were, we were all crushed in our heart to hear uh, the early even reports of the crash on Interstate 75 that took the lives of seven people, five of them children and two adults. The media was all over it for days, but then, as I said, something else comes along. And, uh, and, and after a while, the camera crews are hit, and I don't mean that in a, in a despairing way, disparaging way at all, but I, I get the, the mechanics of that. But after a while, the news trucks are headed to another story, another, another thing. Sadly, many times from that accident until now, uh, as many of you, we have had the, the opportunity or, or whatever you want to call it, we have had to pass by that accident scene. And, and uh, there it is, all the new guardrails are up and all new paving where the pavement was burned out. And, it, and if it weren't for uh, the, the, the scorched grass and the trees and around, it would just seem as though that everything is back to normal. We've got the guardrails replaced, we have the road paved and, and, uh, and spring's coming and this grass will grow back and the trees will bloom back out and everything is all right, but nothing could be further because there are people that are still trying to sweep the broken pieces of their lives 
that together. And uh, so we pray and ask God to touch them and, and to strengthen them. And so in some way, uh, in somehow, we realize that change happens. Things change all around us. Life changes. And, and, and so goes the reality of the world in which we live. Things change. You know, technology has progressed to a point where uh, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just amazing, really. And truly, it is just amazing. Some things that just a few years ago we thought we could, you, it was just an imagination, is a, is a reality today. And uh, it's not just something that you think about or dream about, but in many respects it's just a, an absolute way of life. Who would have ever dreamed in your, in your wildest day just a few years ago that with the phone that I hold in my hand, the phone that you probably have in your possession, and uh, that you could do so much. The world is in my hand right here. The world is in my hand. And so I, I was with a, a friend of mine the other day, and, and, um, and, and somehow or another we got to talking about trying to convert uh, some, something metric into inches or something like that. I can't even remember what the, the exact thing that, that came up because all the, before I could even think twice, he picked up his phone and he asked Siri... And before she could think twice, the answer was there. I said, wow. Now, why didn't I think of that? I had the answer, the, you know, you got the answer to the world, the solutions to the world's problems are right there in your hand. And, and admittedly, many times since then, I'd almost forgot that I had that feature uh, and that it at least worked on that level. And so many times from that point till now, I've been using that. It's just become a way of life. And uh, some, some of you, I will, I'll lose a few of you here for just a moment, but just hang on, station identification. But uh, some of you grew up on things like uh, Dick Tracy comic books. I wouldn't admit you didn't always read your Bible. Every now and then you read a comic book, it's all right. And, and you know what? You just kept living. And here it is. Here it is. Well, if you didn't read uh, Dick Tracy in the comic books, did you ever watch the Jetsons? Got a few more with the Jetsons there. And uh, so we'll leave Dick Tracy alone. Uh, clearly, that was uh, reaching too far back. But it just seemed like everything in their life was just incredibly automated. I mean, they're in a chair, and if you want to move from here to there, the chair just slid over. You guys remember that? And I know we hadn't got to flying cars yet, but we're probably headed there. And uh, talking to a, a watch on your arm and, and all of these things that just seemed as though it's caught within the brackets of a, a cartoon. This is not real. This is just make-believe. It's pretend. But yet we have lived to see many of those things come to life. I was talking to a man the other day. He said, you know, our, for uh, Christmas there uh, their children had bought them, um, somebody may need to help me here, but uh, the little thing uh, that's made by Google and it has a name and you just tell it what you want it. Alexis, yeah, Alexis, Alexis, Alexa, Alexa. And uh, he, just, he said, man, I just love it. He just said, I just walk in the house and say, Alexa, pray, play me a little bit of the crab family singing. He said, all of a sudden it just plays the crab family. <laughs> that was Brother Rayleigh that was actually talking to me. <laughs> I am so sorry to put your business in the street like that. I'm just so sorry. <laughs> oh, I love you, Brother Rayleigh. Amen. 
And so we just understand and would not argue the point that progress in many respects has made our life better. I know people talk about the good old days, but you need to think that out. In the good old days, you had to go outside to use the restroom. <laughs> I'll just leave that right there and we'll just, amen. That was the good old days. I understand the, the concept of that, but we have so many improvements in our world and our life and, and, and the capability. And, and uh, you know, for many people who turn their air conditioner way up when they, in the summertime when they were going on vacation, now you can, just, you can just have it all adjusted for you when you get home. You can just tell what lights to be on. This is the world that we're living in. Amen, this sounds like a, 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 I'm sure a, a promotion here of those things. I, I don't mean it to sound that way, but I don't think anybody would argue the point that, that there have been many improvements in our world. Just think about how far the automobile has come. In just recent, in just, in, I would say that in recent years, just how, how the, the technology has bled over into our automobiles and how much safer they are today and how many of those things help us. We know uh, who's in our blind spot. There is a warning and all manner of things that have helped that have helped save lives and the homes that we live in, how much more secure they are. We've been blessed by much of the change that has certainly taken place through the years and, and uh, very few things, very few things that we have today are like they were just a few years ago or maybe just a few decades ago. But I'll, I want to reiterate, it hasn't all been negative. I'm not saying that at all. Amen. I believe that without question that if we just think about the world of Pentecost, if we think about the Pentecostal movement at large, we have, as a, as a church, I'm not just talking about this church, but just the Pentecostal church at large, the Pentecostal church has weathered a lot of storms, and there's been a lot of strides forward. I think there was an unquestionable stigma uh, years ago of Pentecostal people being ignorant and unlearned. It'd be all right to say amen to that. But I believe that time and God has allowed us to live long enough to see those days behind us. And for that, I'm truly thankful. But I also understand that all progress is not good progress. And uh, I'm thankful that we're in a better building tonight. And I say with great deference to the people before us, but I'm thankful that we are in a better building tonight than generations of congregation, of this very congregation generations ago. A few decades would have found ago would have, a few decades ago would have found us in a tent or in a cottage prayer meeting or or perhaps found us in a, wood, a, a little wooden building that probably had many many cracks and a lot of wind blowing through there and this would have been a miserable night to be there. Let's just say amen to that. But God has blessed us with a wonderful place to worship and wonderful people to worship with. We not only have better facilities, but, but God and, and time, again, has given us a greater, given greater knowledge to mankind. And because of that, we have greater programs in which to facilitate the gospel, not just to the local congregation or not just to a local community and not just to our state, not just to our nation, but to facilitate the gospel around the world just as easily tonight as we could send this service to somebody that lives down the street, we could send it around the globe to somebody, amen, that would be thousands and thousands of miles away from that, from us, amen. We have greater things to help facilitate what we are trying to accomplish, and I'm thankful to know that if our forefathers were to somehow be able to come back 
I'm thankful to be able to say that they would hear the same message message echoing from this pulpit and they would hear the same message echoing from Sunday school rooms and children are being taught. They would hear the same message echoing from camp meeting floors and from conference floors. I'm thankful, amen, that in the years of progress for all of us that God has helped us to maintain the truth of the apostolic doctrine. To God be the glory for truth. Amen. While of course the message, obviously the methods have changed, but I'm thankful that the message has not wavered. Amen. I'm glad here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I'm glad that is a tent stake that is driven down, not just in the proverbial sand out somewhere, but I'm glad that's a tent stake driven down in my heart and in yours. Praise the Lord. Our, our scripture text, and I, I, I want to just go back there, but our scripture text uh, tonight speaks of Paul, who is referring to his time of departure. Things were changing. It was a changing moment in the hour of the New Testament church. What a powerful influence that Paul had been on the church. First, he was a very negative influence and impact on the church who had imprisoned and slaughtered many because of their belief. But I'm gonna tell you because of a divine revelation, way more than a bright light, amen, that shone from heaven, but something shone in his heart, amen, Paul became just that uh, acidic and, and just that uh, demonstrative about the positive nature of propagating the gospel forward. He declares, amen, that, <clears throat> that his dedication for the cause of Christ, he said, I have finished my course. I remember somebody underlining this many years ago at a men's conference and, and from, this, from that moment until now, I've never been able to read this passage of scripture the same, but he just used this simple illustration. I've used it before, but I'll just happily share it again tonight. I mean, he talked about how, he talked about how when you are building a building and when you are laying block or when you are laying brick, I mean, they are called in the construction industry, they're a course, a course of block or a course of brick. Amen. And he talked about how when you would finish laying that course, you may finish for the day, but somebody else would come along and begin to lay another course. Amen. Another course. And Paul was saying, I'm leaving. I'm about to depart. I finished my course. But I believe that we now have the responsibility and bear the responsibility to finish our course. Amen. And let the church be built and let the church be solidified. This is a passage of scripture I think that we have read often. We have certainly quoted and referred to it often. I don't know of anyone that hasn't been encouraged by Paul's display of faith. He's standing at the end of his life. He's looking through the lens. Amen. The rear view mirror. He's got way more life behind him than he than he has in front of him, but he says, I'm just ready. I'm leaning in, I'm pressing in. I, I've got everything in order. He said, I've fought a good, a good fight and I have kept the faith. What a great testimony to be able to say that at the end of your life. Now, if you're seven years old and you say, I fought a good fight and I've kept the faith, we tip our hat. <laughs> 
and we're thankful for your entire seven years that you've been able to walk the straight and narrow. And if you say that at 25, we still will tip our hat. But I'm gonna tell you when somebody is standing at the threshold of the end of their life and they're looking back and they're saying, I have been faithful to God. Amen, this is not a man boasting. This is not a man blowing his own horn or reading his own resume. Amen, but here's a man that said, I have fought a good fight and I have kept the faith. I've kept that faith to the bitter end. He now recognizes the reward that he will soon receive, but not just to him, but the reward that all are going to receive. Paul now informs Timothy of something. This brings us to the 10th verse. Amen, this, this is where we're coming to. He said that, that Demas hath forsaken me, having returned to Thessalonica, having loved this present world. History tells us that Demas was more than just a distant disciple, if there's any such thing, of Jesus Christ. He was not just a man walking around the peripheral edge of the ministry of Christ, but Demas was a very, a very much in the vanguard of what was going on in the ministry of Paul. Demas is only named three times in the New Testament. However, these three mentions tell a sad story of failure. In Philemon 24, 1 and 24, Paul listed Demas along with Mark and Luke, and he referred to him as one of my fellow laborers. He is clearly with his shoulders to the wheel and to the grind. In Colossians 4.14, however, he is just simply referred to as Demas. Now that may just be semantics, but I found that interesting. Now in 2 Timothy 4 and 10, Paul says to Timothy, Demas has forsaken me. Those words had to sting the apostle Paul to be able to utter those words. We're not talking about a man he met one time long, long ago. We're not talking about someone who just merely or barely their paths crossed, but we're talking about a man who served in ministry alongside this great apostle Paul. And so this had to hurt to be able to think that Demoth has forsaken me. Amen, have forsaken me. That was a personal thing. We understand ultimately and in truth that he had forsaken Christ. But this is how interwoven the apostle Paul, his heart was into the heart of Demas. He hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Perhaps the apostle Paul, as I begin to read this passage of scripture again this afternoon, maybe when he said that, he has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Maybe his mind was filled with memories that from days gone by. Perhaps there were certain events that were playing out in his mind in full and living color. I remember when we were here ministering and I remember when we were there and we were praying. I remember that night, we prayed all night long. I remember those days that we fasted. I remember that lady that was healed or the, the child that was this or the, the father that was that. Maybe all of these things are playing through in his mind. He has forsaken me having loved this present world. Just think about this man, Demas, with me for a moment. There were countless missionary miles that he and Paul traveled together. To be sure, they suffered immeasurable reproach together. They were together. As a matter of fact, at one point, Demas was even in prison with Paul at the same time together. When you think of all the things that you have done 
together. I think about uh, his words. He has forsaken me. He has forsaken me. There was, there was just something in the heart of Paul that bled for a man who had served alongside him. I believe I am speaking to many people tonight who could look around you and say that there were those that served beside me. There were those that we walked arm in arm, miles and miles. There were those that we prayed together into the midnight hour and somewhere along the line, something just became more important than an altar. Something became more important than the house of God. Something became more important than a sweet hour of prayer and a time of worship and praise. And they were distracted to the point that they had forsaken us. They had forsaken me. I think it's safe to say that Demas, if we consider the missionary miles, if we consider the missionary journeys, if we consider his time in prison, I think it's safe to say that Demas had some skin in the game. However, now Demas has chosen an easier route and he has returned to his former life. Amen. It is not a life that is as, uh, it is not a life that is as harsh. It is not a life that is as cruel as that ministry journey. Oh no, now he has a bed to sleep in every night. No more, no more threat of prison cells. No more persecution. He never has to worry about what kind of trouble Paul is gonna get us into today. Amen, I can sit back and I can take it easy. However, it's sad to consider, if you will, the possibilities of what Demas could have been if he had just held true to what God was trying to plant in his life. He meant, oh, the possibilities that could have been born in his heart if he had just simply kept walking. Now, I don't want to just merely warm our hands over the fire of conjecture tonight. I don't want to waste your time and do that, but I think there are some assumptions that we could safely make and still be safe. I think it's entirely possible that Demas could have been the next Apostle Paul. Amen. I believe that Demas had garnered some experience from walking with this man. I think it's worth considering that Demas did not just casually walk with him, but he talked with him as well. And what I mean by that is that they weren't just walking together and he wasn't just watching the Apostle Paul do things and so he would learn how to raise his hand or he would learn how to walk or he would learn how to do this or do that by way of just mechanics of ministry. But I believe that in talking with him, in that sweet fellowship with him, I believe that it is possible that Demas was, that Paul would share with Demas some of his hopes and some of his dreams for this New Testament church. I believe that he would share with him his vision for their, for, for their tomorrows and for their future. And so Demas wasn't just walking away from the mechanical aspect of something, but there was something in his heart. I hope I'm not too far out of the box on all this tonight but I think it's possible that Demas could have received the blessing of Paul perhaps much like Elijah or Elisha he too could have received his mantle from a mentor I mean it's possible that like Elisha he could have doubled Paul's ministry achievements I'm going to tell you tonight amen when I think of those that have walked away from the Lord my heart is grieved of course for the obvious reasons my heart is grieved for what they were my heart is grieved 
for what they have done. My heart is grieved for everything they had accomplished and everything they had put their hands to. But my heart is also grieved when I think about the possibilities of where they could have gone and what they may have been and what God was trying to give birth. I'm going to tell you tonight, amen, if you're in a spiritual fight, if you're in a spiritual struggle, that's a great sign that the devil is trying to put out a fire in your life because he understands, amen, he knows all about your past, but he has a great fear of your future. He has a great fear of the potential and the possibilities, and so somehow I gotta lure this Demas to sleep. Somehow I've gotta snuff out his vision of tomorrow. Somehow I have got to frustrate the hope that he may have in his heart. Why? Because I see the potential of what this man can be. He's not always gonna be serving the Apostle Paul. He's not always gonna be walking at the side or so many steps behind. But one of these days, Paul is gonna say, I'm now ready to be offered up and there's gonna be somebody that could step in to that holy and that anointed place. And so I say tonight, amen, I have gotta stay the course. I've gotta stay focused. I'm gonna mention it one more time. When hell starts pushing this way, you're either gonna roll over or you're gonna stand up and push back and say, not today, not today, and not on my watch, and not now, and not this generation. Amen. I have got to stand. I've got to stand. I've got to stand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. Hallelujah. Amen. I understand that we have no way of knowing what could have happened. But this we do know. That instead of following every step that Paul stepped, Demas chose to take an easier route. I want to submit to you that in these days, and I will, I will boldly say in these last days, whether we like it or not, we are going to have to follow God's path. Our ideas, our way of thinking is not going to stand in the presence of an almighty God. Isaiah 55 and 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. I'm just not going to be able to figure out what God is thinking. So I just have to walk according to his word and his will. Amen. God doesn't owe me an explanation. That's the truth. God is sovereign. I think sometimes we think we're just going to march in God's office and slam the door and sit down, put our feet up on his table, his desk and say, I need some answers. That's just not how it works. That's just not how it works. Amen. Nothing in the kingdom of God works that way. Amen. It's going to be God's way and God's way only. And so what we find today in many respects is that people take the path of least resistance. What is the shortest route? What's the easiest thing to do? What won't cause me any trouble? Where will be the less pain? Where will be the least inconvenience? But you see, God's path remains unyielding and unbending and uncompromising. His word. In 2 Timothy uh, 3 and 1 and 2, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 
This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, you know, we don't have to kind of grab our concordance or grab our commentary rather and try to figure out, I wonder what in the world Paul was driving at. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, please don't take out of context anything that I'm about to say. But if we are not living in a day where people are lovers of themselves more than lovers of God, then tell me what day we are living in. The love of pleasure is just so everywhere evident. Amen. I promise you from a pure heart I say this that people will pay almost any price and endure almost all conditions for sheer entertainment. A few days ago, some, I mean, this is circulated a few times on Facebook, and if you're not on Facebook, I'm not trying to exclude you from that. But uh, the, this picture, these people in the stands, it looked to me like maybe a, some kind of football game or something. And uh, people in the stands were this football game and there was snow all over them. I don't mean just a powder of snow. There was snow all over them. And somebody had put the caption down at the bottom and said, now tell me again why you can't come to church. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't share that. I shared it now, but I didn't share that on Facebook because I figured people just think you're just a bitter old guy. But I don't want to be charged with that, but it's really the truth. Man, and they'll brag about it. Man, we sit in the rain. That game went into overtime. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the watch watchers. <laughs> I'm not intentionally trying to be negative, but I, I just say we have to get a handle on this because if we don't, it is, it is to the detriment of our souls. So we have to ask some serious questions. Are we more concerned about ourselves or the kingdom of God. I promise you that we cannot afford to come to church going home. Amen. We just can't afford to do it. We can't afford to come to, <laughs> can't afford to come to church with going home being the thing that's just weighing us down. I say, Lord, let's come to the house of God. Just let your spirit move. Amen. If the Lord moves in an hour, that's fine. If he moves in two hours, that's fine. If the Lord moves in four hours, that's fine. Just let it move. Amen. And so we have to be careful that we don't grow weary of the battle. We may grow weary in the battle, but don't grow weary of the battle because we're fighting a worthy cause. Every soldier gets weary in the battle. But if you get weary of the battle... That's what will send you A-W-O-L. Amen. That's what will make you absent without leave. That's what will cause you to that's what will cause you to turn and run. That's what will cause you to, to throw down your arms and, 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 and cross the enemy line. That's what will, that's what will cause you to, 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 that's what happens that will cause treason in the camp. Amen. You can grow weary in the battle. We have all been there. We're flesh and blood. Amen. I promise you tonight, I promise you tonight that people in this building and not a few, if not every one of us have grown weary in the battle. That's not the, that's not the point. We just can't grow weary of the battle. Because no matter how tired I get, 
No matter how weary I get, I'm gonna tell you that this book still works. This message still changes lives. It still puts broken families back together. It still heals the hurting. It still brings direction to those who need deliverance. It still sets captives free. Yes, it does. That's why I can't get weary. (laughs) That's why I can't get weary of the battle because the battle, we're fighting for a cause. David stepped on the scene as a teenage boy And he put every grown man and warrior to shame with one question. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? He said this to cowering men who were hiding behind rocks and in caves. Is there not a cause? Yes, there is a cause. Amen. So are we getting weary? So weary that we would take the path of Demas. Amen. A better question is, have we taken the path of Demas and And are we aware of where that path is going to lead us? According to church history, Demas simply grew weary of the obstacles of ministry. I'm just putting this in our language here. He grew weary of obstacles of the ministry and he grew weary of the church life. He fell out of love with what happened on the day of Pentecost and he went back to his Jewish heritage, to his roots, his traditional religious roots. Because you see, if I go back there, there'll be no criticism. If I go back there, nobody put me in prison for that. If I go back there, nobody will beat me for that. If I go there, I won't be ostracized for that. Amen. He could blend in in this world. He would not be in jeopardy of the things that had, that had so jeopardized him in this world. And so I would say to us tonight that it is much easier to come in and sit down than it is to come in and worship. Much easier. It is much easier to come in and find fault than it is to look around and mine out the nuggets of what's right. It's easier for us to tell ourselves everything is well with our soul when we know inside that it is really not well. Amen. So Paul said that Demoth has forsaken. The tragedy with Demas, of course, is multifaceted. However, I think there are a few things that should be evident. After seeing all the miracles at Paul's hand, he still walked away. I wonder if it's possible for us to be guilty of the same. I think the answer to that is a resounding yes. Recently, I have perhaps had a few things that I'm talking about in in recent weeks, not today. But I've had to revisit some old friendships and think about people that I know that have been mightily used of God who just decided one day, for whatever reason, enough is enough, and they closed the book. And it would be one thing if they had never beheld a miracle or if they had never experienced anything themselves. It would be one thing if they were just this end of the line guy, they were just walking, or person, if they were just walking at the end of the line and never really been in the throes of anything. But you see, they too had been mightily used of God. And so Demas had a lot to walk over. Amen. I remember many years ago I was... I don't remember how old, but I, 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 a younger man, and 
I was in a revival meeting or a service and uh, it was a minister preaching. I never forgot this appeal. It wasn't some ploy at all. It was just such a mighty anointing of the Lord that was in that house that night. And, and he said, if you walk out of this house without a touch from the Lord, and he picked up his Bible, he said, you're going to have to step over 66 books of promises in order to do it. I thought, wow, wow. You, you may get up and walk out, but just be aware of one thing. You're going to have to walk past a lot of promises in order to get away. Amen. And so, so Demas, Demas had to walk away and step over a lot of things. He had to push back a lot of miracles. He had to push back a lot of times where he knew that God moved. Because he was there. Amen. Solomon says this. Proverbs 24 and 33. I, I don't have it on the screen as not to alarm you there. But Proverbs 24 and 33. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Yesterday morning I was waiting in a, waiting for an appointment. I was sitting down. I, was, I had my iPad. I was reading a book. And the next thing I know, <laughs> I, just, I don't know how long I'd been out before my neck muscles finally gave way and I sure didn't look around to see how many people were staring sleep just slipping on you I was reading a good book and enjoying what I was doing but it just slipped in unaware you see, it's so easy to drift. That's why you have to be intentional about your walk with God. I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll, we'll close with this. In Psalms 13 and 3, if, if this scripture is not underlined in your Bible or on your device, I, I would ask you to do that. Psalms 13 and 3. This is the cry of a man who was known for his relationship with God, a man after God's own heart. Psalms 13 and 3 says, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Amen. Now, if David, a man after God's own heart, could sense his ability to sleep spiritually, then I just have to ask Steve, where in the world do you think you are in this equation? If David could say, Lord, help me, that I don't sleep the sleep of death, then I believe that I've got some work to do to be intentional and make sure that I am about my father's business. I cannot afford to take the path of Demas. I'm going to tell you something tonight. You can't afford to take the path that you've seen too much. You've experienced too much. I'm not talking about what you've watched happen in the lives of other people. I'm talking about what's happened in your own walk with God. There's some things we better chronicle them. We better write them down. We better stamp them in our heart. And when the winds, the assailing winds try to separate us and push us over, amen, and try to drown us in the sea of life, 
We need to reach down and say, I know he is God because he held my hand. Amen, during this storm. Lord, I love you today. I thank you so very much for the power of your spirit, the power of your presence, for the anointing of the Holy, of the Holy Ghost that we have felt in this place tonight. I thank you today, God, that you... This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.